Hi, welcome to the Inspire Church podcast. Thank you for tuning in. But before you listen to the message, we want to celebrate that we have met our match. We were granted a matching grant, and in a month and a half, we made it. So thank you, friends and family, for your generosity. We are eternally grateful. And this morning, we are talking about the gifts of the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom. I will say this, as I said last week, this could feel, this series, especially towards the end, could feel a little like insider baseball. What I mean by that is like if you're a new believer here, or maybe you're here today and you're not a Christian and we love when you come, um, some of this language might not sound very familiar to you. It sound like kind of more like Christian language. And so um, I am laboring and doing my best to make sure that I articulate this in a way that you can understand. But I also know that there might be points in times where you're kind of like, hmm, that's interesting. And so I just give you, you know, I'll give you all like the necessary room you need today to hear, to listen, to take in. And hopefully, um, I believe the Lord will speak to you too right where you're at. Um, amen? Amen. amen. Uh, I do want to say this. Did you know that one word from the Lord can change everything? from the Lord can change a made-up mind. One word from the Lord can reroute destinies. One word from the Lord can change everything. I think this is what God can do. Actually, I know this is what God can do. When his people, who are gifted by the Spirit... In words of knowledge and words of wisdom, begin to exercise their gifts for the edification of the body and the glorification of God. When there are people who are moving in these gifts and using these gifts, these words of knowledge, and I'll explain what they are, these words of wisdom, supernaturally enabled by the Holy Spirit, have the ability to change everything. Just one word from the Lord. And so, uh, as we get into today's gifts, let's pray and maybe ask for that word today. Um, so, Heavenly Father... I thank you that you are a good father who gives good gifts. You're a gift-giving God. And so as followers of Christ in this room, we receive these gifts. And then we receive them and we use these gifts to bless others, to edify others, to exhort others. And so I pray through my word this morning, Lord, that you would speak to hearts and minds in this room. But not just through me, but through the body in this room, interacting and discussing and talking and praying with one another. Would you use this body, not just the elders or the teachers of this body, but everyone in this body. Would you, would you, would you just create a place where we can exhort and encourage one another and in many ways move in these gifts together for your honor, for your glory. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. This morning, uh, this message is going to have a bit of a buildup. Okay? You, you ever watch a movie that starts a little slow? Talk back to me, y'all. <laughs> yeah, anybody here ever watch a movie that starts a little slow? Yeah? Maybe like a Netflix series, like you're really tempted maybe to turn it off, but you're so glad that you didn't because it just picked up. I'm not saying, but I am saying that if there's some potential for there to be a little bit of a buildup today, okay? So try not to like turn episode one off, you know what I mean? Like try to stick with me here and I promise you that we'll get to all the fun and funky stories that you absolutely enjoy. Um, yes, I know you well. Um, 
maybe because I know myself. <laughs> and so uh, here's what we're going to try to do. When it comes to the gifts of the Holy Spirit, right, these are these spirit-enabled, spirit-empowered, supernatural abilities. They're not your natural abilities, right? And so think of it this way. Like when you were born, you were given natural abilities. All of you have different skills, different abilities. These are natural abilities. When you were born again, right, when you came to know Christ, when you put your faith in Jesus, you were reborn. You were not only given natural abilities, but then you were given spiritual abilities or spiritual gifts, right, that go above and beyond the natural, which is why we call them supernatural. And so that is what we've been discussing, supernatural abilities, expressions of grace given to the church, not just to the pastor, but to the church so that we can build each other up, we can edify one another, so we can be bodybuilders and weightlifters. And I don't necessarily mean that literally. I just mean we're building up the body of Christ. We're bearing one another's burdens like the body of Christ should be. Well, this morning, the gift that we'll be discussing, uh, two gifts, in fact, is the words of knowledge and words of wisdom. And here's what I kind of, here's how I want to frame it today. I want to talk about, I want to talk about attention there's a tension uh, when it comes to talking about these gifts. I want to talk about the differences. I want to differentiate between these gifts. I want to talk about the similarities. And then I want to give you some definitions. And then we're going to close, okay? And we're going to do this all in the next three hours. And it's going to be really incredible. And uh, revival is going to hit. And we're going to win the city for Jesus. And... Um, and you're going to remember. Remember that three-hour sermon that catalyzed it all. It started slow, right? No, I'm kidding. Anyway. Um, so let, let's, let's mention the tension first. Um, you can take notes. Uh, we will be in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8, right? Which is one of the few places where Paul lists out the different kinds of spiritual gifts. I'm just going to read uh, this verse by itself, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 8. And I do want to say this. This is the only place where the gifts of the word of wisdom and the word of knowledge are mentioned directly in the entire Bible. This is the only place right here, 1 Corinthians 12, verse 8, which is going to lead to my tension, okay? So uh, that being said, we'll have it for you on the screen. I'm going to read it to you. It says this. And again, this is among, Paul has already been listing different spiritual gifts. And so now he's coming to a, a part of his list. And he says this, for to one is given through the spirit. Here it is, the utterance of wisdom. Some of you might have in your uh, translation, the word of wisdom. And to another, the utterance or the word of knowledge according to the same spirit. So you see it there, directly mentioned, the utterance as a spiritual gift. The utterance or the word of wisdom and the utterance or the word of knowledge, okay? Now, Paul lists these two, knowledge and wisdom, as spiritual gifts. Paul lists them, but and, uh, 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 along with all the other New Testament writers, he doesn't define them. He doesn't explain them. So, here is the tension that I have this morning. On one hand, because Paul categorizes words of knowledge and words of wisdom as gifts distributed to the believers by the Holy Spirit to edify the body, we cannot ignore them. On the other hand, because they're not directly defined or explained in Scripture, we must be careful not to go outside of the boundaries of Scripture in an effort to over-explain. That's where the church gets real weird. You over or we over-explain, we get extra biblical, and we start developing theologies and things that God never said. And that goes back to last week's message so that when unbelievers, right, somebody in this room that doesn't know Jesus, you're here today, and it starts happening, they're going to look at you and think, man, these people are nuts. And so we have to be careful. And so this is my tension, right? Paul talks about them, so we must not ignore them. Right, because there are two equal yet opposite errors. You can ignore them or you can over-explain are y'all with me? Yeah. So please, can I have a little grace from everyone in the room today? Yeah. Now here's, here's a problem with this tension. Sometimes sermons like this can leave more questions than answers. Yeah. 
as many small groups I'm sure experienced when we talked about tongues last week. And, I, and this is really important for me, and I made note of this last week, and I want to say it again. So if you're left today feeling confused or frustrated, please don't hesitate to reach out. Are y'all ready? Y'all hear that? If you are left today feeling confused or frustrated, please don't hesitate. Inspiredchurches at gmail.com. Send us an email and we will gladly get back to you. We would love to have a conversation with you. The last thing I want is for anyone to run away with frustration or confusion and not have really anything to speak to their hearts, okay? Are y'all okay? Here's the second thing that comes from this tension. Here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that God-fearing Christ-honoring, gospel-centering scholars, pastors, leaders, denominations differ and disagree. You hear me? But they don't disfellowship. So they disagree, but they don't say, they don't disfellowship. They don't point at each other and say, well, you're not a Christian because you don't think this way. This is not a primary issue that will determine whether you're a follower of Christ or not. This is a secondary issue. So no matter where you land, hold your convictions loosely and humbly, please. Otherwise, this may not be the church for you. So again, extend to me grace today as I navigate through these tensions, doing my best to share some of my experiences while also leaning on what I think are some exegetical clues in the scriptures, right? So I want to share some experiences, but I want those experiences to be anchored by clues from the scripture. You with me? We never want to go outside of scripture. We never, we never, uh, we never want, uh, we never, I don't even know how to say this correctly, but we always want something to keep us anchored down so we're not floating too far into the clouds. So let's talk a little bit of distinctions and some disagreements. Um, now, theologians, like I said, and denominations will differ on the nature of the gifts, right? We have some folks that, are, that you would call, and again, theology has to give names to terms. I'm not in love with the names, but sometimes these are the only names that are out there, right? You have kind of two groups of people. Uh, one would be called like continuists. Right, think of the word continue. They believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit continue today. And then you have other folks who are cessationists. So think of the word continue and think of the word cease or stop. So there are some denominations that actually believe that the gifts of the Holy Spirit were for the New Testament church in the book of Acts. And once the church was established and the scriptures were as a foundation, there was no need now for the gifts, for these extra gifts, okay? So some people believe that these gifts ceased and some believe that these gifts continue. I'm in the continue category. Are you with me? And so theology and theologians, they separate, they categorize for the sake of learning. And so I just want to go through uh, two different types of folks that look at these two gifts, the words of knowledge and the words of wisdom in two different types of ways. And so I'm just going to have like these kind of two overgeneralized categories, right? In general, right, some continuous uh, would believe, uh, would categorize the gifts of knowledge and the gifts of wisdom as what they would say are revelatory gifts, revelatory, revelatory. Cessationists, right, uh, 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 those that believe that the gifts have ceased, right, tend to categorize maybe words of knowledge and words of wisdom as wise speech, as wise speech. And, and, and those who see this as wise speech uh, would see these, the gifts like of words of wisdom and knowledge as more of an extension of teaching. Right? And so bringing the knowledge of God and the wisdom of God right, through the word of God to the church and to the world. So as I'm teaching, right, a word of wisdom or a word of knowledge, right, you're, you're, get, you're understanding the text, you're applying the scriptures to your life. And so a lot of folks would, again, look at words of knowledge and words of wisdom as an extension of teaching. Yeah. Okay? Now, 
I lean more on, I lean more, just so you know, I lean more toward the continuous point of view. Maybe uh, what's probably even made it more popularized, maybe the Pentecostal perspective. Some of you are like, yeah, right? Uh, some of you are like, oh, okay. Um, uh, I lean more towards the Pentecostal perspective, believing that the scriptures bear witness with the spirit of God enabling individuals with divine disclosures right so I don't believe that the words of knowledge and the words of wisdom are just an extension of teaching I also believe that words of knowledge and words of wisdom are divine disclosures by the Holy Spirit Regarding the what and the how of a given circumstance, situation, or maybe a particular individual. And I'll, I'll break that down a little bit more in a moment. I'm just kind of setting you up. Are you with me? So to me, these gifts are more than just a teacher's application of scripture. But they also include what, what I might call a kind of supernatural seeing, sensing, and perceiving. Okay, and again, we'll get to story time soon. Now, now that we've talked about some of the distinctions and differences, I do want to hone in on some similarities when it comes to these gifts. I want you to notice both gifts are described in 1 Corinthians 12, 8 as words, yeah. right? Or utterances, or, or maybe somebody might have messages, right? So both gifts Knowledge and wisdom are both, the similarity that they have is they both have in front of them words of knowledge or words of wisdom or utterances or messages. So what, what, are, what is the implications of that? Like why is that important for us as the body of Christ in this room that's learning and discovering the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Uh, well, these words, right, begin with God communicating an insight, Right? The, the origin of these gifts starts with the Spirit of God communicating an insight. Right, So when words, messages, or utterances ultimately means that God is wanting to communicate something. Right? And there's two ways to this communication. It starts with God himself communicating an insight to a gifted individual. And when I say gifted, I just mean to the individual who is moving in this gift. Are you with me? Now, how, how can this, you know, some of you might, well, how do I know? How does this, you know, this can be through praying. This can be through a, a, an urging or a prompting, a perceiving or a spirit inspired like premonition. Again, now we can do that just, and we can do that in general. And so how do we know when it's actually spiritual and when it's just us? It gets a little bit more difficult, but I'm trying to lay a framework here. I'm trying to lay some, um, just a, a general understanding, okay? So it begins with God communicating or, or, or bringing a, a word or a thought or a premonition or, 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 or an insight to an individual. And then it continues when the gifted individual relays or delivers that God insight. Yeah. In an effort to edify and build the body of Christ up. Yeah. So I want you to think about it like this. God has all knowledge. Yeah. Doesn't he? He has all wisdom, but he doesn't give it all to us because we'd explode. He will at times, however, reveal a tiny part of his total wisdom or his total knowledge in a given situation. And how many of you came here this morning like, man, I need that. Like, I have a circumstance. I have a situation. I'm at a crossroads. And I just need wisdom. I need knowledge. God, you know all. You see all. You have all wisdom. And so I'm not asking for all of it. But in this situation, I'd like to know some of it in that moment. Are you all okay? One of the ways that I've heard it simplified that I really enjoy is like this. There are moments when God, through his Holy Spirit, will give to us the beautiful gift of seeing circumstances, situations, or even individuals the way he sees it. The way he sees it. I think part of this message is about you just thirsting, not for these gifts, but thirsting to be guided by God. 
when I was reading through this and preparing, I had to pause and I just realized how many people I thought to myself, including myself, but in this church, make so many decisions without honoring God in it. We just make it. We, just, we, don't, we don't even think about it. Like how many of you are making decisions, big ones or small ones, without the wisdom of God? So what are some clues in scripture and how can we define these gifts in real time? Okay. And, and that's kind of where I want to spend my time today is, okay, words of knowledge, words of wisdom, right? We don't just believe that they're an extension of teaching. We believe that actually the Holy Spirit can enable somebody. God can communicate to somebody and that somebody can share a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom and bring some divine insight or instruction to a circumstance, to a situation, or to an individual who might be at a crossroads or, or an organization that might be, need to be making a decision and they want to make a godly decision. They're unsure, uncertain. Are you with me? Yeah. And so let's, let's define a word of knowledge. What, what is a word of knowledge and where can we find it in Scripture? What is a word of knowledge and where can we find it in Scripture? So we talked about the similarities. They're both a word um, now we're going to differentiate between the two. What is knowledge and what is wisdom and how do they work? Okay? So if I were to oversimplify a word of knowledge, I would put it like this. A word of knowledge is a word of knowledge is a divine insight. A divine insight. Again, oversimplifying, um, but it's a divine insight. Not to be confused with a know-it-all. Right? Not to be confused with somebody who is like the king or queen of random facts. All right? This isn't something that you can acquire through reading or further education. Are you with me? This is a revelation. This is something that's revealed by the Spirit of God. Right? It's made known to us by virtue of the Holy Spirit. Okay, not a know-it-all. Not somebody in their own natural abilities who's done a lot of studying, a lot of traveling, a lot of experience, a lot of education. Uh, but we're talking about something, an insight that has been revealed by the Holy Spirit. And it's not always really complex. In fact, some people can say the simplest things. And it, it's really interesting. Like There'll be sometimes like, well, me, my wife and I will be ministering to people. And I walked away thinking, man, I killed it. Babe, did you hear that word I gave? Like I, the theology of the will of God and like the, the inner workings of God's will and breaking down his secret will, his revealed will. It was so good. You know, and my wife's like, yeah, it was really good, babe. And then like, you know, a couple weeks later, we'll talk to the individual and like, man, they're just looking great. And man, that, thank you so much for meeting with us. It was so good. And I was like, yeah, no, I got you. When Jamila said this, and I was like, what did you say, babe? And Jamila is complex and deep. I'm just saying, I'm like the talker and, you know, and, it, and they'll say something. And I'm just like, well, that wasn't very like, okay. But I, I want you to say, I want you to know that it, it's not about like complexity. It's about timing too. Right? It's, it's about a word from the Lord in a moment for an individual that just simplifies, makes clear, gives an insight. Okay, you ready? Okay, I got to keep going because I'm, I'm jumping ahead of myself. So where do we see clues of a word of knowledge? Okay, so I want to talk about insight. Insight first. Okay, insight. A, re a revelation, a revealing an insight. Okay, where do we see clues of this in scripture? Remember, we're doing our best to be anchored in the text, not in our experience. Um, for the sake of um, discussing this gift without over-explaining it, okay? So if you're taking notes, I'm going to throw a bunch of things at you. Uh, you can go back and read this. Uh, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 4. In Luke chapter 5, verse 22. In Luke 9, verse 47. I'll say that again. In Matthew 9, verse 4, if you want to go back and read. In Luke chapter 5, verse 22. Um, in Luke chapter 9, verse 47. Also, you can feel free to email us and we can send you slides or I can send you notes. Um, scripture indicates 
many times that Jesus would be in a scenario or a setting where he would know what people were thinking. Right? It's a, and, and knowing what they were thinking and knowing the motivation of their heart. And then, people, and then Jesus would give a parable or give a lesson. Right? Knowing what they were thinking. And so what we see there, there's a, there's a revealing going on. There's a knowledge that's happening in that moment. You say, well, he was God. Yes, he was truly God, but he's also truly man. Right? He's truly God and he was also truly man. So he's operating in the power of the Holy Spirit and, and getting this insight or peering into or understanding what somebody was thinking. Now, I don't know if it was like word for word or it was just in general, but there was this idea that he knew what was in their heart. He knew what they were thinking. And as a result, he then spoke in a prayer, which actually you can see wisdom and knowledge happening there, right? So there's a word of knowledge. I, I know what you're thinking. And then there, wisdom, I'm going to speak a parable and give you some sort of instruction in order to confront that thought or that motivation. Are you with me? Yeah. Okay. In Acts chapter 5, you guys are going to love this one. Uh, Peter calls out Ananias and Sapphira because they're lying to the Holy Spirit. Like they said they were going to give a certain amount of stuff and they held some back. And they only gave a little bit and they're lying to the Holy Spirit and holding back what they had promised. Um, spoiler alert, they die. Um, um, <laughs> I know I probably should have, I was trying to, I was going to hold that part back because I feel like that needs some explanation, but you're not going to get it today. Um, but the idea here is that how did Peter know? How did Peter know? So there was, a, there was a, there was a knowledge given to Peter, supernatural insight in that moment to be able to know that they were holding something back. In Acts chapter 8, verse 23, Paul sees, right? Scripture says he sees Simon the sorcerer's heart. How do you see someone's heart, right? And so to see the heart is, is to be able to perceive or, or, or have an insight into somebody's motivation. So he sees Simon's heart and he calls him out. He says, you're filled with bitterness and you're captive to sin, right? Uh, and then finally in 1 Corinthians 14, 25, and we talked a little bit about this last week. Paul speaks of the secrets of the heart being disclosed. Right? A, a, a divine disclosure. Some of y'all really uncomfortable right now, right? <laughs> right? Like I'm just, uh, uh, I, 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 I relate. Um, I think one of the main places we see this in the story that I really kind of want to dial down on is in John chapter 4. This is Jesus um, with the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And I love this story for many different reasons. Uh, one reason is that Jesus is breaking cultural norms and societal barriers by hanging out with a woman alone. Uh, and he's a rabbi, and he's a teacher, and he's a man of God. Like, this is a complete no-no. And, and not only is she a woman, and not only is she alone, but she's a Samaritan, and he's a Jew. And that is a complete no-no as well. So Jesus is just totally breaking all the human rules, legalism, and all of these rules that keep us separate. Um, and, and Jesus goes one step further, and he asks her for a drink of water. He asks her for a drink of water, and she's super stunned, like, a, you're a Jew. B, you're a guy. C, you're a rabbi. Like, and you're asking me to give you water. Like, this is really like what's going on here. Um, and she says, how is it that you, a Jew, asking for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? And, and we know, right, this is a divine setup. This is a divine setup. This is Jesus revealing the heart of God to a world that has no idea. Right? And so Jesus responds by saying, if you knew the gift of God and who it was that was saying to you, give me a drink, you'd, ask, you'd, ask, you'd be asking me to give you a drink. Right? He says, you would have asked me, you would have asked me, and, and I would have gave you living water. So, you know, Jesus, you know, right away, like, wait, why? He's like flipping the script here. And after a little more dialogue, Jesus would reveal that this is the kind of water that wells up into eternal life. Okay? Of course, the woman responds, because she's smart, Sir, give me this water. Give me this water. And to which Jesus would reply with a word of knowledge. Okay? So let's, let's look together here on the screen. Look at what Jesus says in John 4, 16 through 19. 
He says this, go, call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, you are right in saying I have no husband. For you have five husbands. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> and the one that you're with right now is currently not your husband. <laughs> what you have said is true. The woman said to her, sir, I perceive you are a prophet. <laughs> I perceive you are a prophet. I want you to hear me out. Jesus, again, truly God, but also truly man, was operating under the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the moment, he was given a divine insight. A word of knowledge, here it is, disclosing her secret sin. And here's what I love. Notice it wasn't to shame her. Can, you, can we just internalize this really quickly? The intention wasn't to shame her. But to reveal to her that God sees her. That God knows her. That he knows the most intimate details of her life and that he loves her enough to pursue her and offer her everlasting life even in the midst of her mess. Are you, are you with me? Yes. I think that we tend to forget that God is good. We don't believe that he has what's best for us in mind. And so when we think of a disclosure of sin, we immediately curl up in fear because we don't, we're scared of what he's going to do with that revelation. But actually what he does is he restores her. He sees her. He loves her. He invites her. He gives eternal life. And we have such a wrong concept of God. Some of you, he's such a law, rule, condemner. And yes, he is a God of law. And yes, he is a God of righteousness and justice. But he's also a God who put on flesh, who walked among us and was crucified for, our, for us. He was judged in our place so that anyone who would put their faith and their trust and believe in Christ, the judgment and the condemnation that you deserve would actually be shifted onto Christ and that Christ took it all upon himself and then gave to you his righteousness, gave to you freedom from pain, freedom from shame. He gives it to you and it wells up into everlasting life it's beautiful and it's glorious and so if you were afraid or of this gift or fearful of what God might reveal I want you to know he sees you he loves you he pursues you and it's never meant to shame you but meant to heal you and call you to Christ are you with me and how do we know this well look at her response just look at her response. John 4, 39. It says, many Samaritans from that town believed him. Why? Because of her. Because of her, they believed in him because of the woman's testimony. What did she do? She ran out and said, come see the man who told me everything that I ever did. That's not somebody in shame. I don't know if you know, that's not somebody embarrassed or in shame. That is somebody who's been freed from shame. That's somebody who understands the goodness, the greatness, the beauty, the love of Jesus. That while I was a sinner, while I rejected you, while I was looking in other places and with other people, you were calling me closer to me, to you. You did not reject me, but you invited me. And I found the love of my life and I found the water that will never run dry. And I, I wish I could just preach on this text right now, but I can't. And again, I just as, as, a, as a reminder of the gospel, if you think that God wants to shame you, or if you think that God wants to expose you, to hurt you, you don't know the gospel. You don't know the love of Christ manifested to you on the cross. 
And I want to remind you that if you want to know who God is and what he's like, look at Jesus. Look at the cross. You'll see his wrath and his love coming together. You'll see the violence of the wrath for sin. Because it's real. And your sin deserves to be judged. But then you'll see the glory and beauty of his love saying, I'll take it upon my, me for you. Okay. But can I say that? I can see how this gift is a little intimidating. Amen? I mean, you're like, yes, praise God, but still nobody wants anyone to come up to you right now and be like, so I perceive that uh, you got some things going on. But even knowing all that, we're human. We're still like, okay, that's great, but just not me, God. (laughs) Get him, you know? And I don't blame you. I don't blame you. The thought of being exposed is not something that feels right or comfortable. But but I want to remind you, the the word of knowledge is full of grace. Okay. All right, story time. I was in my early 20s, uh, just coming back to Christ after many years of, of exploring and, and potentially running from him. Okay. I was living a, a prodigal lifestyle in many ways. So again, I was in my early 20s. I was just coming back to Christ. And I remember... I want to speak to people in this. I remember hitting my first wall. So maybe you've been in Christ for a long time, or maybe you're new to Christ, but like you either, you remember that first wall that you hit, right? Or maybe you're like, man, I'm there. Or maybe you're like, this is great, but one's coming, <laughs> right? I remember hitting that first wall. And let me explain what that wall is. Uh, I had experienced like uh, such a, um, a profound encounter with God earlier in that year. Um, In fact, I remember being alone in my room, opening up the book of Ephesians. And I remember the book of Ephesians talking about, like it kept talking about the former things. Like Paul was telling the church of Ephesus, remember the former things? Like the lust of the flesh and the things that you were a part of and all, you know, and he was like listing all these things. And I was reading, I was like, those aren't former things for me. Those are things I'm doing right now. And and then I remember, you know, there's this this line that says, and uh, uh, you have not learned Christ. That was the line, the idea of learning Christ. And I just felt like when I was opening the scriptures, yeah, it was like being, Paul was speaking to Ephesus, but I really felt like the Lord was talking to me. Every line, I was like, oh, 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 yeah, yeah, you know. And, and there was these kind of these shots, right, of exposure. But then there was this drawing in, in near of love. And the Lord was really speaking to me. In fact, I, I, I'm going off on a tangent here. But I even think that new believers um, oftentimes have words of knowledge and insight for themselves. Like, they don't know the Bible. But they'll start saying and communicating things. You're like, man, that's deeply biblical. <laughs> um, anyway. I can remember hearing, um, I can remember experiencing a radical encounter with God and, um, but hitting my first wall and uh, I can remember crashing down a little bit and feeling defeated and doubting and, and, and um, feeling entangled again in old patterns of sin because that happens, right? You go through these seasons where like you've overcome and you feel like, man, I got past that and then the tempter comes in, temptations hit, and that like high that you were living on is suddenly like reality. And, you, and, and I could remember the, uh, uh, the devil's voice of shame, right? Shame and condemnation in my heart, right? Like I thought God did something in you and I could just feel the weight of it. And with every word that he spoke against me, my heart was hardening, Right? My mind was doubting. And I find myself in the beginning stages of isolation and hiding. Right? Because that's what happens. Right? You come to Christ and, and, and it feels good and everything's great. And then all of a sudden, uh, you're, be, you're, you're getting entangled in old things. And the honeymoon's kind of over. And you're hitting a wall. And, and your heart's being hardened because the enemy is saying to you, see this. And you're this and that. And look at the church. and this, Right? And then what ha- the natural thing is because the enemy's trying to get you to stop. Like, isolate. Remove yourself from the body isolate, hide, harden your heart, right? Are you with me? Yeah. And, and, and I remember during that time, God sent someone to me and they spoke the truths of my struggle out loud to me. 
<clears throat> and, and I remember being numb on the inside as they were speaking. Um, but I was pierced on the, I, I'm numb on the outside, but pierced on the inside. And, and here, here's what happened. God saw me. God knew me. God loved me. And he pursued me. And because God intervened with a loving word of knowledge that day, right, um, who knows how much the devil might have continued, continued to torment me had somebody not been obedient that day to share what might have been like an uncomfortable insight. Are y'all with me? In fact, 1 Corinthians 14, 25, like really uh, feels like it was a description of that moment. It, it says this, look, it says, the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on, the fa on his face, what does he do? He will run in shame. No, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. So like this word of God, this disclosure, this word of knowledge, ultimately is not about, it's about bringing you back in and saying, man, God, you hear me, you see me, you know me, you love me. Um, amen and amen. I have to go super fast. Um, let's move to a word of wisdom. Um, <clears throat> if a word... <laughs> I got your time, y'all. If a word of wisdom, uh, if a word of knowledge is divine insight, a word of wisdom is divine instruction. Right? Uh, I remember a time when I was a youth pastor and I, there was, a, there was a, a leader, a senior pastor leader that I actually felt the Holy Spirit asking me to confront. And um, I don't know if you've ever had to confront somebody kind of like that was in power or so on and so forth. Um, um, but it's often like intimidating. And then there's also like a real big fear of like that they're going to get like angry or upset or maybe hurt. But I just really felt led by the Holy Spirit that I needed to confront. So I prayed, and during that prayer, uh, the Holy Spirit led me to Proverbs 22, verse 11. And I'll just read it quickly. He says, he who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. And I remember just thinking, man, this is a word of wisdom. Like, I, <clears throat> I really needed this word. Uh, 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 um, he who loves purity of heart. So I wanted to be honest. And he whose speech is gracious, I wanted to speak an honest word, uh, will have the king as his friend. And I'm not saying that this senior leader was king, but they represented, they were an authority of power. And so even though... Uh, uh, um, this, this scripture actually exhorted me and humbled me and filled me with courage and, and, and gave me wisdom on how to approach, like be honest and, and but be gracious with your language and, and with your purity of heart and with your gracious speech, communicate and, and you'll have the king as a friend. And, and it really encouraged me to do something that maybe I would not have otherwise done. It, just, it was just a simple statement in Proverbs and Proverbs is wisdom literature, but it was right moment, right time. And I just felt like it wasn't just a word of knowledge. Like I wasn't just getting an insight, but I was getting an instruction. Are you with me? Yeah. And there are different places where we can find this. In Acts 16, verse 6, you know, Paul's forbidden by the Holy Spirit to go to Asia. In fact, at later on, you'll find out that he has, a, there's actually a man in Macedonia. He has a vision of, of a dream of a man in Macedonia saying, come this way, we need help. And so Paul will actually change. So in his human understanding, he was going to go this way. And then he has a divine, his wisdom. No, 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 God doesn't want him to go this way. God wants you to go this way, right? How many of you in this room like just say, man, God, I wish I can get a direction like that. Like I have crossroads, I have decisions I need to make. And I want the wisdom of God. Well, in this story, we see a divine work of wisdom. Are you guys with with me. Acts 15 is really kind of one of my favorite places. You guys are doing great. When the early church leaders, they gathered together to discuss a problem. Gentiles were getting saved and Gentiles were crazy. They were crazy. Like the Jews, you know what I mean? Like they had their synagogue and the law of Moses and the Old Testament. Gentiles didn't have none of that. They were worshiping idols. They, they were out there partying in temples and prostitution and engaging in all these things. And so they were like, wait, Gentile converts are getting saved. But what do we do with them? Like, we got to tell them, hey, you can't be doing all this stuff. And there was like this big debate about like what they should do. And some people are like, you got to make them follow the law to the T. And other people were like, wait a minute, there's grace. And there was all these different places and spaces. And in the midst of that kind of that council, the early church is kind of like really debating. It's getting heated. The scripture tells us in Acts 16 that 
that James stands up and he reads from the book of Amos. And in the book of Amos, an Old Testament prophet, he reads from that book and the Old Testament prophet says that there's going to be a restoration of the tabernacle of David and Gentiles are going to come to God. And in that moment, like everyone is silent. And in that moment, there begins to be a wisdom and, and, and the council comes to an agreement that we're not going to lay heavy burdens on the Gentile converts. In fact, there's only a few things that we're going to ask them to do, but we're not going to ask them to live as a Jew. And this has deep implications for the church as it moves forward. It was a word of wisdom. Are you with me? A word of wisdom. How do we know it was a word of wisdom? Well, they needed divine instruction. They were unable to reach a consensus. And in the midst of this complex situation with a variety of different voices and opinions, a word of wisdom from the Holy Spirit through James quoting the Old Testament prophet Amos revealed the mind of God and there was complete harmony. There was complete harmony. Are you guys with me? As I was prepping for this message and um, I was reminded of inspired churches like current situation uh, a discerning where we're going to move. Um, as you know, we've been in a relocation process and we've been touring and talking and touring and talking and talking and praying and fasting and discerning and, and you keep doing all these things and, and you know, and, and, and God is, it's like this. It's like this slow, you know what I mean? Like it's wisdom, God, wisdom, revelation, speak, you know, and, 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 and uh, there's so much implications to it. Like if we go here, if we go there, and what does this mean? And what is this, where do you want us, God? You, do you understand what I'm saying? And so in this process, like it, I, I was just thinking like, boy, Lord, will we just love a word of wisdom from you? This is your church. You planted it. This is your, you know how you want us to strategically move in the next five years. We've spent the first eight, right? You know how you, the next eight, the next 10, the next 20 set us up. We need a word of wisdom from you. And many of you are like, okay, well, what happened? Not yet. We're just praying for a word of wisdom. Um, I, I'm going to go ahead and get ready to close here. Um, I do want to. I do want to share an exhortation. Um, I can send you my notes. I had to speed through some things, um, but I do want to say this. Um, as I was preparing for this message and. I'm just thinking about uh, a, a word of knowledge and a word of wisdom and even asking the Lord if I could maybe even give some, something of that nature today to somebody, you know, who was here or maybe to a few folks that were sitting in this room. And I don't think I had this like divine kind of like wacky encounter. Um, I just began to write as I felt led to write. And, and, um, and, and so I just wanted to perhaps maybe kind of leave an exhortation. We'll read a final scripture and we'll finish. Um, but I, but I do want to say this, like with regards to like instruction and decision making, like that was something through this process that like was really um, heavy on my heart, right? Like decision making. Um, and I think I, I, I want to encourage and exhort the congregation this morning and maybe a few folks in here. Um, I think some of us are letting our fears make our decisions for us. Um, I, think there, I think there are some of us that are make, like... Um, there are crucial decisions, looming decisions, um, and, and, and you're in danger of allowing your discernment process to be guided by worry and fear. And, and, it's, and, 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 it, and it's potentially robbing you of experiencing God's will for your life. Um, and it's, it's kind of paralyzing, right? Because maybe you can't think straight. Um, or maybe you like you've tried to pray, but in your prayer time, it's very, it's very like, I don't know what to, it's very hard to like, just kind of be focused and centered. Um, I think I, I'm reminded of the scripture of the sowing of the seed where the cares and the worries of this world were like choking out the word of God. Um, and I, I, I just want to say this is that we have to be really careful um, because this, this worry and fear and c 
confusion um, can frustrate you to the place of like bitterness. Bitterness can take root. And so I think what I want to encourage and exhort and give wisdom to, like, I feel like you need to seek out counsel. Like, you need to stop doing this by yourself. Like, you need to find, not, your, not like your peer, but you need to find, like, men and women of God and you, need, and you need to ask them to pray with you and process with you. And I think Emmy would want you to do, make all these decisions alone. Or to make decisions in a way that might like keep others from maybe telling you no. Um, and I just, I just really, really want to encourage people in here today who are in that exact place in this exact time. Um, to take the next step in inviting experienced, mature men and women of God, invite them into this process. Amen? Amen. Let's close in Matthew 16. Matthew 16, 13 through 17. Scripture reads like this. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, and I want you to pay attention to this answer. Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. Look, what does it say? For flesh and blood is not what revealed this to you, but my Father in heaven. Right? Yeah. And, and so I, I want to, I think it's really necessary to ground the gifts of the Holy Spirit in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Right? I want you to notice that in his own human understanding, Peter would have been unable to comprehend the true identity of Jesus. But once revealed by the Father, Peter was able to see Jesus as Christ, as Son of God, right? In your own human comprehension, understanding, it's just hard to, but, but once the Father, gave, once there was a, a, the Spirit of God, the Father gifted him the revelation, he was able to see clearly who Jesus was, the identity, he was Christ, that he was King, that he was the Son of God. And I want you to know that this is the purpose and source of all wisdom and revelation. It's not just about the gift, right? But it's about the gift pointing us back to the gift giver. It's not just about wandering around, like looking for words from the Lord. Right? Like, man, I need a prophetic word, right? It's not about that. Sometimes I think Christians can abuse the gifts and use them like they're visiting psychics. Right? Or reading horoscopes. Are you with me? Like, it's not about lottery tickets or your love life. Like, it's, it's about the building up the body, the edification of the saints, right? It's about, it's about knowing Christ and making Christ known, right? The end game is not so that you would get a new house or not that so that you can, God, tell me where I can move so I can live a more comfortable life, right? You know, like, God, show me, you know, God, we want him to do all these things for my comfort and, and for my glory. And, and, and no, 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 the word of wisdom is not that that. It's like stop living and leading a life that just revolves around satisfying yourself. Like this is about Christ being revealed to you and to the world. And so this word of wisdom and word of knowledge is beautiful and it's great and it's timely and I want it and I need it. But we can be so sensual about it. And when I say sensual, I mean just so like, oh, just emotion and what feels good. But it's about the process and it's about obedience and it's about love for Christ. It isn't about, it is about you, but it isn't. Are you with me? It's about the building up the body in love and helping us to look more like Jesus, love more like Jesus and move in greater joyful obedience. And I'm taking a lot of liberty, but I'm finished here. Um, and it doesn't have to be weird you don't need permission. 
like live in the bodybuilding, church edifying gifts of the Holy Spirit in your small groups. Live in it in your friendships and your relationships. Exchange thoughts and prayers and ideas over coffee and, and in conversation and pull people aside. Pray. You don't need my permission. You don't need a, an emotional experience to move in all of the gifts. And man, you know, I've heard it said before, Phil, you know, there's no altar calls and, and there's no this and that as if like that's the only place where you can be like super spiritual. Like we want you to move in the gifts. We want you to be uh, someone who believes in the gifts of the Holy Spirit, but we want you to be everyday believers on mission, not just in the church, like practicing magic tricks on each other, but out there in the world for the sake of the mission and for the sake of the building up of the body of Christ. And so I want to encourage you. I want to exhort you. Pray earnestly. Seek the gifts, the expressions of grace. And watch what he'll do, not just in big groups, but in small groups. In one-on-one situations. For the honor and glory of Jesus. Will you stand? And I'm, we're just going to finish and pray. Team is doing great. I've just took a lot of liberty today. Um, but Heavenly Father, uh, would you just extend your hands out? In fact, you know, uh, just I'm going to take a little bit. If there's just anyone in this room that's like saying, hey, like, I do need a word from the Lord. I do need a word from the Lord. And Philip, I don't want it for my own sake. I need it. I need it because I want to glorify God. I'm in a difficult situation. I'm in a confused place. Maybe my heart is a little hardened. Maybe I've hit a wall. Maybe I'm having a difficulty believing that God is good. Like, I do need something to pierce through my hardened armor. Like, I do need a word from the Lord. And I promise it's not about just me getting better in life. or It's about me following Jesus. I want to glorify Him. My spirit, right, is willing, but my flesh is so weak. Like, I want to pray for you this morning. And so just all over the building, I just pray, Heavenly Father, would you, would you send, would you send people? And, and with every head bowed, it just eye closed. I also want to, I want to tell you, some of you are, your gift is dormant and somebody needs it. Somebody needs it. Your gift is dormant, it's quiet, it's silence, and somebody right next to you is saying, God, would you send, give me a, God, would you just send friends? Would you send people to pray with me, process with me, talk with me, ask me questions? It doesn't got to be weird. So Heavenly Father, I pray for both the one in need and the one that's ready to give. Lord, that inspired church, Lord, would, would stop allowing the enemy or, or stop allowing frustration or embarrassment to keep us from being the followers of Christ empowered by the Spirit of God to edify the body to live a life on mission to gather and scatter for the sake of Jesus Christ help us help us to be a church that doesn't quench the spirit help us to be a church that's open to the movement of gifts help us be a church that can move in it naturally as men and women of God Lord, I pray for those in this room that are confused, those in this room that are doubting, those in this room whose hearts are hardening, those in this room that are tempted to isolate and to run and to hide, those in this room that are desperate for a decision, those in this room that feel alone, Lord God. Right now, I pray, Holy Spirit, that they would know that you are with them, that you go before them, that in the word you speak to them, that in their private time of prayer you comfort them, that you have direct and instruction, Lord, that they know that they can rest on you, that fear, that worry, that paralyzing pain and doubt is not having the final say, that the final say belongs to a God who sees you, who knows you, who loves you, who calls you and pursues you, Lord. Will we know that you are a good God who gives good gifts? Lord, and I pray for those that are being prompted to reach out in this room. There are people in this room, Lord God, that there's people that have been on your heart to take out. And, and, and you've been putting it off. And, and you've been busy. You have a list of people that you know. Man, God's put these people on my heart. And I just want to take them out. I just want to spend time with them. I want to pray with them. Like, I want to empower you. To, this is time. It's time to be the body of Christ.
So I pray that the water of the Spirit would, would, roll, would flow freely and there would be no, no blockage. Help us, Lord, to trust you. And if we have questions, confusions, frustrations, or doubt, help us to realize that we can, we can speak, we can, we can talk about it, we can reason together through the word. Thank you for this time and this moment we have today. And I just pray that you'd be with us as we leave this place. May we not leave your presence, guide us throughout this week, and bring us back as we continue to love you and celebrate you in all that we do. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hey, church, why don't you give yourself a big round of applause today? God is good. Have a wonderful Sunday. God bless you. Again, thank you so much for tuning in today. Our prayer and hope is that you would be transformed by God's word and live for him. Before you go, would you consider giving a gift today? By faith, we are walking into the new year and continuing to believe in what God is doing in the city through our missional communities and mercy ministries. Visit us at inspirechurches.com to give a gift and let's see together the great things God will continue to do in the new year.